possible. Anything's possible! We went to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. I'm Chris, joined by the group ex- expert, Billy. What's up, Billy? How you doing? Hey, I'm in Vegas and the Celtics aren't. Oh, man, you had to start us off with a low blow already, huh? Yeah, they're on my uh, shit list uh, because of that performance uh, the other day. So, <laughs> All right, well, let's recap it then. Celtics lose Monday to the Indiana Pacers, 112-122, to moving us to 15 wins, five losses. The game was very close, back and forth, but unfortunately that bounces us out of the tournament play. Unfortunately, we also were missing Porzingis that game. He probably would have been a big help. Are you disappointed that we didn't make the finals, Billy? Yeah, I mean, not even the finals. I just wanted to make the semifinals because, you know, like uh, like a buffoon, I dropped 250 on these tickets that I can't get rid of now. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure some Laker fan might take that off your hands. Yeah, but um, back to that game, I mean, it was – about as good of a basketball game as you could imagine. Uh, tie game with a minute 33 left. Halliburton takes over. He made shots. We did it. That's uh, that's why we're going home, and they're in Vegas. Look, I'm usually the one who is extremely disappointed after every loss, but this loss, I'm not as disappointed as probably what I probably should be. I thought we played fairly well. Indiana, Indiana had a lot of momentum, and Halliburton played light so, honestly. He was making tough shots. I mean, he was hitting threes contested two feet behind the three-point arc. I mean, he was just on fire. But I do think this was our first legitimate test. We needed a pass because it involved pressure. Let's face it. We have championship expectations, and that was going to be our first test to see, hey, are these guys ready for the big moment? And unfortunately, they failed the first test. And I mean, even Al was asked prior to the game by some reporters, hey, it feels different over here. Do you notice anything different? And Al was like, yeah, the atmosphere, you can already feel it. It feels like a playoff atmosphere. So, I mean, even the players felt the hype around the game. And they definitely wanted it. And that Indiana crowd, we're going to give them a lot of credit as the sixth man of that game. I mean, they were rocking. That felt like a March Madness game. They were into it from the jump, and they were loud and let us hear it every chance they had. Yeah, I mean, um, so Halliburton started them off in the third quarter, just hitting three after three. And and the Naismith, my goodness, another, another ex-Celtic that just – plays so well against us. I mean, he's actually done really well since he left. I mean, we, I feel like we keep screwing up on player development here in Boston. No, it's, that's just where talent is. I mean, he wouldn't have played here. It just shows how good NBA players are. Guys we think suck. They get an opportunity. They get minutes. They're great over there. That's not to say that it would have happened if we kept them. Obviously, the Brogdon trade was a huge success. Guy was the sixth man of the year. And then we used that to get Holiday who did not have the best game, but obviously we think very highly of Drew Holiday and his defense. Yeah, I mean, his defense has been good but not great. I mean, Halliburton was even putting him on skates at one point, you know. I mean, what's the reason why we lost this game? Was it the three-point percentage shooting 29.3% from three? I mean, Indiana shot 47% from three. Or was it, you know, all of our turnovers? 18 turnovers, Indiana only had six. Yeah, and we dominated the boards. We were plus 15 on the boards. Obviously, the turnovers were an issue, 
but I have a fun stat. In the last 10 years, when a team shoots under 30% against a team that shoots over 40%, the record is 57 and 548. So you basically have a better chance of going outside and getting hit by a car than uh, winning a game when you're shooting under 30% and the other team's shooting over 40 in today's NBA. But we could have probably won this game, even if we didn't turn over the ball half the times, Billy. I mean, we were still right there. I mean, 18 turnovers, that's inexcusable. Yeah, I, I keep going back to the shooting because obviously the Jays, they came to play. They wanted it. They had 62 points. Um, both of them had over 30. That's the first time they lost the game in regulation when they both had over 30. But it was the backcourt. The backcourt couldn't hit the backside of a barn. It, they were 10 for 31. And this is specifically white and a holiday. And they were three for 18 from threes. They make one, even two more. We win that game. It's insane. You can't shoot that bad and get that little production from your backcourt. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think even white said after that game, that was one of his worst games played. I mean, he had five turnovers just himself. I mean, that's atrocious. Yeah. His dad kind of called him out on it. And just um, even the, um, the possessions he got scored on, like he was calling him out and holding him accountable. Anybody who's online uh, on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, follow Richard White. He does some really good uh, breakdowns of the game, and he's honest. He doesn't hold back, even when it regards his son. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't know that. Um, on the Bryce side, though, how is it? 15 points, 5 of 7 from 3? I mean, he's really come into form, and um, he's going to be used a lot from here on out, I think. Yeah, the great thing about Hauser is he's doing this at the highest level. He's fourth in the NBA on made threes per 36 minutes. He's second in the NBA on catch and th uh, shoot threes. That's overall. So only one person in the whole league shoots better at catch and shoot threes than him. I mean, he's he's our guy. Like, this is the guy that we thought he could be. He's really uh, blossomed in that role. He's at about 22 minutes a game right now. I think we probably are going to bump that up to maybe 25 to 27. He's just too valuable to not have on the court if he's going to shoot like this. Yeah, no, I agree. He's been – he's definitely found his uh, niche on the team. Um, I think we were down about seven points going into the fourth. I wasn't a big fan of how Maz kept Al on the bench so long. I mean, I know I mentioned to you, I don't think he subbed into the game with about eight minutes to go. I think Mass has to work on these substitution patterns a little bit. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of having Brown and Holiday on the floor together. I, I feel like White's got to be on the floor. You got to stagger White and maybe Tatum. I'm thinking something. It's hard because White plays better with Tatum and Holiday just hasn't really played great specifically with anybody else. Now, normally in those Holiday and Brown minutes, you would have KP, which hides a lot of Brown's deficiencies. But without KP, you're relying on Brown to do more ball handling. You're relying on Holiday to do more, uh, especially offensively. And that's where the struggle is. But I don't think you could take away White from uh, Tatum because those two kind of need to be together. Um, I mean, White's Tatum's security blanket, man. For whatever reason, Tatum's numbers go way up when he's right next to White. Yeah, I mean, probably because KP could do everything. Um, while we're talking about KP... Today's Wednesday for all the listeners listening. Um, and I believe KP, or I read something on X that he's playing next game. Yeah, Did he basically that? confirmed it. Um, he had a good practice today. He went five on five. He's looking ready. I mean, honestly, if, if it was a playoff game, and I know the in-season tournament's as close as it gets, but if it was an actual playoff game, I think he would have played the, the last game. He looks just about uh, ready. Yeah, I mean – 
it would have been nice to have him in that atmosphere because I don't think he's really been. I get Madison Square, you know, could get a little fiery, but he doesn't really have much playoff experience really under his belt. So I think that would have been a great game for him to be kind of, you know, get some experience, but it doesn't do no harm. Probably would have done more harm than brushing him back. So you might as well just give him an extra game off, you know. And by losing, he got a couple extra days. It actually worked out well because we don't even play till Friday. So instead of playing tomorrow, he gets an extra day off. Rehab's going well. I don't mind the cautious approach now because, I mean, let's be honest, it's four months away from the playoffs. We got to keep this guy ready until then. So we got to be extra careful. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's not a, a sprint. It's a marathon when it's concerning player health. Um, Brown continues to fall guys on the three-point line time and time again. Does Will he ever learn, Billy? Will he? Don't jump. Just don't jump. I used to yell at Rob all the time for doing the same thing. I, You can contest without jumping at a guy. It, rule of I mean, verticality. I feel, like, I feel like he's done this so many times in big games. I always think about the Toronto game. I, I know it's happened at least three or four times in the last couple of years, and it's just like, dude, stay stay home. Stay on your two feet, please. Well, the problem is he's a ball watcher, and he's a terrible off-ball defender. So if his man is – he's always going to be out of position by a step or two, and then he's athletic enough to usually recover, but there's going to be times like that Halliburton play where he's not quick enough to recover, and instead of just contesting, he's fouling. So it's it's just a flaw in his game that we all it's know just about. A low IQ. It's just low IQ basketball, though. Yeah, it really, hundred percent. All right, enough of the Indiana loss. I'm sick of hearing about it at this point. But following the Shams tweet, a big quote: "I expect the Celtics to be active in the trade market as we get closer to February." to try and see if they can beef up their bench rotation. With one roster spot open, who would you like to see? Me, personally, I've been looking at Seti Osman. I think that's a really uh, good, realistic uh, player that's going to be available. Obviously, the pipe dream would be somebody like Caruso. I think he might be a little too expensive, and I do think the contenders are going to be trying to outbid each other for him. We might get outbid there. But it's going to be somebody like that. I, I was calling it the annual you know, Mike Muscala-type pickup. It might be a little better than that, but it's not going to be a, a top five, top six kind of player. It's going to be. No, we don't. But we don't need that. We don't. We, but we also don't need a Mike Mascala type player because he didn't do nothing last year. But say Osman's actually a solid role player. Is he is he uh, on a last year contract? Uh, he's a uh, last year contract. It's cheap. Um, basically, TPE he could fit into or we could do some other maneuvering. Um, and the Spurs are probably going to look to see what they can get for him. So that's a really good option to just kind of keep an eye out for. And maybe since we've done business with San Antonio with Derek White, there's something there. I Actually, I don't mind Seti Osman. He's a decent role player because I'm looking at my vision is we need a buyout player or whatever it is that it can kind of come in and be impactful right off the bench who can get their own shot and defend and bring some toughness. Now, I'm not saying uh, uh, City Osmond's not that guy because I do like him, actually. You know, he's a high-energy player, but somebody who the Celtics are already used to. I've always liked Marcus Morris. He br- just brings that grit, what I think we're missing ever since we lost Smart. And I'm fine with losing Smart, but we lost Smart and Grant. 
who both brought the grit. We, we got no grit on this team right now. And I feel like we need – Marcus would probably do something like that. I don't know. He probably won't get bought up because he's on a playoff team, especially with Philly. I don't think they would want him to come here. But my dream scenario, obviously, Gordon Hayward, another ball handler, which is possible. I mean, Charlotte's just straight crap, so. Man, that's the pipe dream. I mean, I do think by the end of his contract, he is going to get bought out and he will end up back in Boston. But I do think that's probably a year, maybe even two years away, sadly. But, yeah, I do think that he's going to come back and uh, just be that extra piece. You know, hopefully we have a ring or two by then. He's going to be ring chasing, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind somebody like Osmond, though, because he can handle the ball a little bit. Because I'll be honest with you, I've just had enough of Peyton Pritchard this year. And I, and I didn't think I would be saying that because he looked good in the summer league. And I've always liked how he played prior to this, but he hasn't been impressive at all this year. Sam started off slow. Sam figured it out. Peyton, I don't know. He just stuck in last year, last season or something. I don't know what's going on with him. And it's early. It's only 20 games. I do think that guys do go through slumps. Um, Pritchard specifically usually always has a bad start to the season. I blamed it last year on him breaking his nose and playing in that face mask, but that just might be him. He just might be that streaky. He'll, he'll go through a month slump. Um, the guys to kind of worry, I wouldn't be concerned about, but I just don't know if they're playable. Um, I think Lamar Stevens is a way away. A ways away. I think, uh, you know, number 88, Mr. Quetta, we all love him, but he's a ways away. And uh, Brissett, that's my biggest disappointment. I thought Brissett was going to be, like, NBA ready. And that dude has been a dud. He's actually one of the, statistically one of the worst players in the NBA this season. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of Jordan Welsh a little bit, though. I mean, is he that far behind the eight ball? I mean, he's not even the best player on Maine. Uh, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I yeah. hate what you're saying, but bring, I, I don't know. I would probably give him a little bit of burn or something just to see some NBA competition. Yeah, he seems know. like a project. I liked him too, but Max Drews probably wasn't the best player I mean, and nor was um, um, Aaron Naismith, but uh, they figured it out with, you know, time in the league, you know, so. I feel like he's, you know, he was one of the top, one of our top picks. We got to give him an opportunity, at least a little bit of one. Yeah, and they're patient. They don't rush these guys. I do trust Brad's player development because, as we've seen, when these guys go other places, they're not only desired, they end up uh, flourishing. So, all right, looking ahead, we have since we lost, I, sh I should add that since we lost the in-season tournament. The NBA scheduled us against the losers of the Bucks Knicks games, right, Billy? So we got the Knucks, um, excuse me, we got the Knicks Friday. God, I feel like we play them every week because we have played them every week. So this is our third time playing them in what, a two week span, a 20 day span, something around those lines. We're going to play them again for uh, basically five times this season because of the way the schedule worked out. But uh, honestly, I don't mind that's it. Gonna be, I love that's going to be five, five tough games. You know that. They are physical. Tibbs is going to coach defense. So, I mean, I guess it'll be a good opportunity with, you know, have a little little, little uh, backs against the walls a little bit after getting kicked out of the tournament. You know, you're not going to run the Knicks off the court. It just isn't going to happen. Uh, moving on to our Take That for Data segment. Take that for data. The last two games, Jalen Brown has zero assists and 43 field goal attempts. I mean, he isn't creating opportunities for his teammates, and he's not making anyone better at that point. What's going on with Jalen? 
I mean, he is what he is. He's out there to score, and he scores. And he's scoring at a 60% clip during those two games. So he's not missing shots. He's being very efficient. Now, he does his shot creation. The only time he can really create a shot for others is in the pick and roll. And you're not going to run a pick and roll with Al. He's just not offensively good enough at this point of his age. The only guy you can really do it with is KP because those are going to create the mismatches and the switches, and he's going to get assists. So you've noticed that his assists have gone in the toilet since KP's been out. Yeah, but the issue is, let's say Tatum, you know, rolls an ankle and he's out for the next three games. Jalen's got to be able to get teammates involved. I mean, he's an all-NBA player. He can't just be getting his own shot. I'd like to agree with that, but it's going to fall on the other guys to create, and he's just going to be – he is – let's be honest. He's one-dimensional. He's a scorer. First and foremost, um, Missoula kind of talked about it without criticizing him, um, actually kind of covering for him. He said that they don't use assists as a barometer for ball movement. They use possible assists, hockey assists, and what they call making the right read. And he claims that Jalen has made the right reads on all those plays and either the assistant income because the guy missed a shot or the right read was for him to go and score, which he did. So, I mean, some of that is coaching BS. But some of that does actually make a lot of sense watching the game because watching that game against the Pacers, I did not want Jalen to pass to anybody, especially not our guards who couldn't hit a shot. I wanted Jalen to score, and he was aggressive. It worked. No, you're right. And, his, and I've noticed this year um, when he's been aggressive getting inside the three-point arc and just getting to the mid-range, I think that's where he works best, you know, that Paul Pierce area, elbow area. He's been really good this year. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what his uh, – field goal percentage from over there, but it's got to be pretty high. Yeah, he's almost becoming like a DeRozan or even like Durant um, later in his career, you know, just with No, those... let's not go that far. Come on. <laughs> I, there. I, I would say he's a probably a little bit better version of a DeRozan because DeMar couldn't really shoot the three ball for most of his career, so. Fair yeah, I'll to say, that. I think. I'll yeah. take that, you know. That's, that's <laughs> kind of what we need. Just looking ahead right now, um, we are first in the East still, and Milwaukee is knocking on the door. Same, uh, they got one more loss than us, so we got a one game lead essentially over Milwaukee at this time. And for the NBA, Minnesota still 15 and four. Wow, Minnesota is still playing lights out, but I think they play tonight, so. Yeah, they're playing tonight, and they're actually losing against San Antonio right now at halftime. So we might uh, be tied for best record in the league after tonight, possibly. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. It was fun. All right, we'll see everyone here next week again. Have a good night, guys. Later. Did you call bank?